overprotective, failure avoidant parenting style has undermined the competence, independence, and academic potential of an entire generation. We have taught our kids to fear failure, and in doing so, we have blocked the surest and the clearest path to their success. 64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Welcome to the Book of the Week series. Every week as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. My name is Igor S.F. Walker. Today we look at the gift of failure. How to step back and let your children succeed by Jessica Leahy. So how about you slow down and relax? Reduce all that noise for just a bit. Make that choice and decide to listen. In this video, we look at a book written by a mother and a teacher. We discover one of the most important parenting messages of our times. Unless we allow our children to learn how to take on challenges, they won't thrive in school and in life. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I haven't used that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. The setbacks, mistakes, miscalculations, and failures we have shoved out of our children's way are the very experiences that actually teach them how to be resourceful, persistent, innovative, and resilient citizens of this world. If we are to believe the fear mongering mass media, harm is all around us. Baby snatchers disguised as maternity nurses, antibiotic resistant germs, toxic chemicals, disease carrying ticks, bullying kids, unfair teachers, lurking pedophiles. Ooh, no wonder we've all become anxious parents. However, this fear doesn't just cause us to overparent. It makes us feel overwhelmed. There is a term for this behavior in psychiatric circles. It is called enmeshment. And it is not healthy for children or for parents. It is a maladaptive state of symbiosis that makes for unhappy, resentful parents and failure to launch children who move back into their bedrooms after university. Children of controlling, 
and directed parents are much less able to deal with intellectual and physical challenges than peers who actually benefit from parents who stand back and allow their children to try and fail and try again. Furthermore, the failure of our children experience when we allow them to make their own mistakes is not only a necessary part of learning, it is the very experience that teaches them how to be resilient, capable, creative problem solvers. <clears throat> An anxiety-ridden student hand in the following paragraph. Some people are afraid of heights. Some are afraid of water. I am afraid of failure, which for the record is called achiphobia. I'm so afraid of failing that I lose focus on what actually matters, learning. In focusing on the outcome, I lose the value of the actual assignment and deprive myself of learning. 13-year-old wrote this. In order to help children make the most out of their education, parents must begin to relinquish control and focus on three goals. Embracing opportunities to fail, finding ways to learn from that failure, and creating positive home-school relationships. It is up to us. Parents have the power to grant this freedom to fail. Teachers have the ability to transform that failure into an education, and together, together we have the ability the potential to nurture a generation of confident, competent adults. So let's get started. The self-esteem movement promised that we could feel good about ourselves in everything we do, the children will always like their parents, and we will feel great about our parenting all the time. But this is not how life let alone effective parenting, works. Children who like their parents all the time tend to be not children who are corrected when they misbehave or ask to consider the needs of other people. It does not feel good to punish or correct our children. No one wants to be the cause of tears and hurt feelings. It actually feels great to give our children sweets just before dinner with a conspiratorial finger over the lips, bonding with them in a shared secret threat. It feels wonderful to swoop in and rescue them from detention in a stern glare of the teacher when we do take that forgotten homework to school. Now, the catch is, that what feels good to us isn't always what is good for our children. We're not used to putting off what feels good and right for us in the short term in order to do what is right and good for our children in the long term. So what would be a better way? What parenting practice can help our children acquire the skills, values, and virtues on which a positive sense of self is built. Parenting for autonomy. Parenting 
for independence and a sense of self, born out of real competence, not misguided confidence. Parenting for resilience in the face of mistakes and failures. Parenting for what is right and good in the final tally, not for what feels right and good in the moment. Parenting for tomorrow, not just for today. Intrinsic motivation. The holy grail of parenting. The less we push our kids towards educational success, the more they will learn. The less we use external or extrinsic rewards, the more our children will engage in their education for the sake and love of learning. All kids begin life motivated by a desire to explore, create, and build. When babies take their first steps, it is because they are driven to discover and master their environment. Rewards may get results in the short term, but when it comes to encouraging long-term drive and enthusiasm for learning, rewards are terrible motivators. When a kid is fascinated by a task, he or she will be much more likely to persevere, even when he or she alters, even when the task gets more challenging, even when he or she fails to master the task the first time around. As kids do get older, our goal should be to preserve this natural curiosity and thirst for discovery at all cost. Unfortunately, the methods we use to motivate our children, such as rewards, are in direct conflict with what keeps kids engaged and interested. There are a couple of issues at play here. First, rewards do not work because humans perceive them as attempts to control behavior, which undermines intrinsic motivation. Second, human beings are more likely to stick with tasks that arise out of their own free will and personal choice. Given the choice between sticking with an I have to task or doing something else, most people will choose anything that is a product of self-determination. A child who believes he is ready for the deep end of the pool because you praised his incredible talent as a swimmer when he flopped through his first two freestyle strokes is in much more danger of drowning than a child who has a realistic sense of his abilities. Be honest with your children. Praise them for their resilience and the efforts they do make to recover from their mistakes. Above all, keep your eyes on the prize, intrinsic motivation. Small failures. When the stakes are relatively low and the potential for emotional and cognitive growth is high, are what psychologists Elizabeth and Robert Bjork call desirable difficulties. 
learning that comes with challenge is stored more effectively and more durably in the brain than learning that comes easily. Learning occurs when we observe something. We hear, see, or otherwise experience information in some way, and our brains transform that perception into a representation our brains understand. This is called encoding. Consolidation is the process of organizing, sorting, and ordering perceptions and experiences into something the brain can store away and then pull up later. Finally, in order to really nail that memory down, we must tag it for retrieval later on. Controlling parents give lots of unsolicited advice and direction. Controlling parents take over. Controlling parents offer extrinsic motivators in exchange for behaviors. Many basic household responsibilities, such as walking the dog or taking out the garbage, should be viewed as part of family maintenance, not as endeavors deserving of hoopla or a grand reward. Everyone should contribute to what needs to be done around the house. And rewarding these kinds of basic activities suggests that doing them is heroic, as opposed to expected. Controlling parents provide solutions or the correct answers before the child has had the chance to really struggle with the problem. Controlling parents do not let children make their own decisions. Autonomy supportive parents guide children towards solutions. Autonomy supportive parents allow for mistakes and help children understand the consequences of those mistakes. Autonomy supportive parents value the mistakes as much as the success. Autonomy supportive parents acknowledge children's feelings of frustration and disappointment. Autonomy supportive parents give feedback. The cost of overprotecting is that the child does not develop the skills to fight back, speak up, or get the hell out of the way. If a child is taught by their parents that an adult will swoop in and fight for them, or save them from any form of challenging situation, that child will keep expecting that to happen and not look for solutions to help him or herself. That child would also not learn valuable communication skills that are necessary during the heat of emotional flooding during an argument. Grades are the worst thing that ever happened to learning. And until you find a way to establish a healthy relationship with them, they will torment, frustrate you, have you worried and stressed out, will make you sometimes feel not so good about yourself. Of course, you are better at some things than you are at others. 
one of education's tasks is to help you recognize your strengths and weaknesses. Try to avoid the compare game whereby you judge your performance by comparing it to that of others. Doing so is both inevitable and counterproductive. The issue is not what others can do, but what you can do. Grades are an annoying and an exhausting fact of life, and despite debate over more effective alternatives, they're not going away anytime soon. But there are ways to promote intrinsic motivation and long-term learning in spite of them. Grades are not a measure of our children's worth, and often they're not even an accurate measure of their ability. While grades can be a measure of ability, more often they are a measure of the skill that make for successful students solid executive function skills, compliance, willingness to please, ability to follow direction, and self-discipline. Grades for all the weight they carry in our culture, are less important than learning. Learning is the key to understanding our world and the universe beyond, to communicating with other people and to innovating for the future of our society. Grades are the key to certain academic institutions and a few office doors. Autonomy over self-directed goals leads to intrinsic motivation, which leads to better learning and life success. Do not forget to praise effort, diligence, and perseverance. Seek feedback rather than scores. Those who equate failures with being a failure, who go into denial, or seek to blame others for their failures, are doomed to repeat their mistakes over and over again, gaining nothing from the experience. If you have a sense of contingent self-worth, if your attitude towards yourself depends on whether you succeed or fail in a certain domain in comparison with other people. You may stop trying. Subconsciously, you decide that the best way to avoid losing is to stay out of the game. Teach your children to face failure and accept it as a valuable feedback, let them see you taking risks and failing, and talk about those failures as opportunities to better yourself. Students recover. People do it all the time. And the failure helps them learn about themselves. First, they learn that people want them to be okay. Second, they learn that they can overcome a problem, but that work and attention are more important 
than genius or perfection. Students need to fail because this is when they learn to succeed. And there you have it, a gift of failure. Please, to help out, it is easy, simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Do leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below so you buy it and you read and you never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management even further, then do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.